everybody. Welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior, IgA nephropathy warrior, and focused on food, fitness, and sharing the individual stories of IBD. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now let's get to it. Today, my guest is Heather Hausenbloss, PhD, who's a wellness researcher and a mom of three boys, one of whom was diagnosed with Crohn's disease just a few years ago at the age of 16. She is also an author of her just-published book, Invisible Illness, An Insider's Guide to Eliminating Overwhelm and Rediscovering the Path to Health and Happiness with an Autoimmune Disease. That is available on Amazon and is the number one new release in eight categories. I actually just finished reading her book about two weeks ago, and I'm so excited to have her as a guest, to have her share her perspective as a mother of a Crohn's disease warrior. Thank you so much for joining me today, Heather, and welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. So let's go ahead and get started. And why don't you start by telling me about the journey of how and when your son was diagnosed with Crohn's disease? So he was diagnosed when he was 16. So it was about halfway, halfway through his junior year of high school. And it, we kind of say it came on almost fast and furious. But when you, you look back, you can see that it was years in the making and that he had symptoms of it even when he was a really, really young child. But we just never put it all together, what exactly it, it was. But during his junior year that fall, he got the typical sickness that he'd always get the start of every school year. It wasn't the flu, but it was just something where he just felt awful, had a difficult time getting out of bed. And it seemed like it happened every single, every single fall, you know, when the school year started and about a week or two later, he would feel better and be back at school, but the doctors could never diagnose what was, you know, what was, what was wrong. But in particular that fall, he was just getting a lot more sick than he normally, than he normally did. And we'd be going to doctor, to doctor, to doctor, and they could not state what was, what was wrong until finally the point where he confessed to me, he said, mom, I, I have diarrhea. And I said, okay. He's like, well, I have it all day long. I'm like, okay. I said, how, like how many days has this been going on? He said, it's been going on for weeks. And at that point, that's when we pretty much stopped everything. And we weren't we had to be really forceful with the healthcare to, to see if there's something wrong and we're not leaving until more tests are done because clearly you guys are missing something. So it was finally my husband and I being so forceful and really honestly, you know, calling in connections and favors um, that we got the diagnosis. And the day that he was diagnosed, to be quite honest, I was in denial and thinking, I don't. I've heard of Crohn's disease, don't really know what it is, but that's not, that's not our child. Our child doesn't have that. But when we officially got the diagnosis, there was actually power in, in knowing what it was because then it allowed us to say, okay, now how are we going to, how are we going to go about to get him, to get him healthy again? And that was really became the focus. And for me, you know, we had two, well, we have three boys, two, um, Tommy's our oldest and, um, it was at that point where I, I was overwhelmed and I actually went and I was very fortunate to be able to go on medical leave from work. 
so that I could spend the time needed to try to get him to try to get him healthy. And that's really what um, really what happened. I completely understand when you mentioned that there was power in knowing what it was, because honestly, I felt like that myself when I got my diagnosis. It's it's frustrating when it's such a similar story for so many people that it takes so long to get diagnosed. There's a few out there that are lucky, I guess, and they get diagnosed right away. But so many of us have gone such a long time to get the diagnosis. And when you finally do, it really is like, okay, good. Like that feels like step one of the battle is completed. And at least I know what I'm up against now. Um, And for you, it really sounds like that launched a whole journey into research and writing, which is a lot of your background. So tell me about that process because you just published your book. So what inspired that? How did this, this process get started? So, so my, my background in my area of research is health psychology and health behaviors. And that's what, that's what I've researched and written on my, my whole career and lectured and lectured on. And I've tended to focus on really the psychological effects of of physical activity and movement. And it's a, a amazing behavior that we should all be doing and we should be standing more and then over the years, I've begun to research more about um, the importance of sleep and designing interventions to help people sleep better and also and also diet. So when Tommy was diagnosed, um, it was clear that the he he exercised plenty. He played, you know, varsity baseball. So the um, you know, the exercise portion wasn't wasn't the issue. It was then me very quickly saying, okay. To me, this this disease is clearly related directly to to what you're eating. I thought my in my house we we had a healthy you know a so-called healthy healthy diet, but it was almost instantly saying we need to change his diet and what are we what are we going to do and how are we going to how are we going to do that? One of the major challenges that we encountered. Um, when he was diagnosed is that we did meet with a nutritionalist that was part of the, the healthcare team that we had met with Tommy. And I was absolutely shocked because I'm still just trying to even understand what, what Crohn's disease is. But my, my gut reaction was if he is spending a significant portion of his day in the bathroom, you can't tell me that diet doesn't play a major, major role. And we were given, or he was given the treatment uh, of of medicine and of of drugs. And they certainly do play a role, but I thought he needs to change his diet or else he's gonna be struggling with this for the rest of his life. And unfortunately, the dietician that we had met said that food didn't play a role and he could eat whatever whatever he wanted. And during that initial meeting, I'm sitting there and I'm just processing. And I honestly, I felt almost too dumb to even speak up and say anything. And I have, I have a background in this and I didn't feel that I had a voice. So it was after that um, meeting, it was, I would then wake up at four in the morning and start to, to research Crohn's disease and diets. And that's really what led us down the path of almost instantly dramatically changing his diet, which in large part we feel play the, the biggest role in, in his recovery to now to the point where he, he treats it through 
through just diet. So eventually we, we weaned him off the medicine that we, that he was on really against his health, his healthcare team's advice, but we felt that the side effects were so significant and he was getting better that if we could treat this through largely his diet, that's what we wanted. That's what we wanted to do. And I felt like I was struggling and this is my area that I thought I can only imagine how other people feel and, and other parents feel so helpless towards their, their child and their child's illness that I thought I need to do something. And that's when I began to kind of write my story and then tie in the science about what we did to, to get Tommy, you know, to get Tommy healthy. And um, yeah, it was a very, very challenging time. It's, it still is because he's still, you know, is something that he struggles with. One of the things I really appreciated about your book, and you even just said it here, is that medications can play a role. And it wasn't, you know, so often we hear some people, especially on Google or the internet, and it's like, here's a cure, and it's, and there is no cure. And you mentioned that in your book. And and I really appreciated that, that it's, you know, like like you, I always had that mindset where it's like, this is a disease that affects the digestive tract, what I'm eating has to play a role. Like, how can it not? I'm even just to be healthy. It's, it's not good for anyone to, you know, to eat Whataburger and fast food all day. Like Mm -hmm. it has to have some impact. And, but I really appreciated just that, that balance that you had and you navigated where it's like, you know what, for some medication is the right path. And maybe it's just a temporary, maybe it's a part of it, but each of our stories are so unique. And I think you did a really good job of weaving that throughout the book and really expressing how much the food did play a role and, and what it, how it helped your son to achieve some remission and get into a healthier place. So I really just want to commend you for that because I, that for me was really, it resonated nicely, but tell me about some of the you know, you talk about how overwhelming it is to start researching the diets and to pick one versus the other. And I know that you talked about a lot of the different, different paths that were out there. So how did you start navigating that for your son? And was he receptive, you know, a teenage boy, what was it like to take him on this journey with you? He was so sick that, and he just wanted to get better. And he just, he wanted to be normal. And at the beginning, it was, it was difficult because food plays such an important role in everything that we do, even at school and the cafeteria and eating with your friends and, and going out. And when, um, when he was first getting better, there would be many times where he would go out with his friends and he would eat at the house and then go out with them and then just, just sit at, sit at the restaurant. He did not, he was a, he's a teenager and he did not want to stand out, you know, uh, um, against, um, you know, everybody else. So he didn't really talk about it um, with his, you know, with his, with his friends. But one of the, the challenges with, with diet is, is which diet. And if, even if you take a look at, um, at autoimmune diseases and the, the, the number of different diets that are avail- available, whether it's keto, paleo, specific carbohydrate diet, and the list goes on and on and on, that in and of itself is overwhelming to say, which diet do I latch onto. And I felt I needed to anchor to something to have something to say, okay, these are the, the, the list of lists of foods, and this is what can be eaten. So at the beginning, he very strictly followed the specific carbohydrate diet, but 
very, um, within a few months, he began to say, mom, you know, I, I can eat such and such. It's, it's not this, it's not gluten, for example. So we began to slowly introduce, introduce foods. And I would say he's at a point now where he eats a diet or follows a diet um, that most people should. We're eating largely organic, you know, lots of fruits and vegetables, you know, lean type, lean types of meats. And that's pretty much what he, you know, what he eats. I'm thinking if it's, you know, if it's grown from the ground and if it's real food, then that's what you should be. That's what you should be eating. Does he follow it 100%? No. I mean, you need to live life and pick and choose sometimes. But that's what worked for worked for us because I felt like I needed to anchor to anchor to something and even to be able to pick, you know, and select a specific carbohydrate diet. One of the reasons why I went to that as a researcher was because there's actually some, for, for, for a diet, there's really, really strong science showing that it, it helps and can be used to, to treat Crohn's disease and, and uh, you know, irritable bowel, irritable bowel disease. So from that standpoint, the science was strong and it made sense. And that's what we, and that's what we ended up doing. That was actually the first one I started with too. And I started my journey with food and researching into things was a specific carbohydrate diet. And uh, I still, to this day, sometimes I'll still make the, the chicken soup with the, the chicken and the carrots yeah. and that's basically it. And it turns into a mush and <laughs> I kind of like it, so I'm okay with it. But tell me about the journaling, the food journaling process, because I know from your book that that was a big part of this process. And what was that like to have, you know, was your son part, participating in that process or was it all you as a mother, like really driving that food journaling train? Well, I would have liked for him to participate, but he is a te- he, well, he is a teenager and for him to, to journal about his food was not going to, was not going to happen, but I felt I needed to do it uh, to determine what he's eating and then what his symptoms were. And I, I was the one who was in charge of the cooking and pretty much everything at this point so to me, it made, it only made sense for me to do it. So, because I knew exactly what he was, what he was eating. So I began to, um, each day basically be logging what he was eating and then what his symptoms were, what his mood was, how he was sleeping, how he was feeling. And by, by doing that, you begin to see a pattern over, over time to say, okay, maybe, you know, may, maybe apples aren't, aren't working for him, for whatever reason, he eats an apple and then he'll get some stomach cramps, you know, shortly, shortly thereafter, or he'll be running to the bathroom shortly thereafter, or he'll have a difficult time, you know, difficult time sleeping. So what it allowed me to do is, is see how the different foods were, were affecting him and also how his sleep um, was affected by what he was eating and also his stress levels, because when he would get a little bit stressed um, at school, you could see the, the flare up start. Like the night before, for example, he was to take the SAT. He couldn't sleep. He was having you know cramps and, and diarrhea. And it was stress related because of the stress of you know taking the taking the SAT, which he had to postpone several, several times. So there's power in knowledge, and journaling is such an inexpensive simple thing that you can do right at your own house that really gives you the power of what's going on with, with yourself or with, you know, somebody that you, someone that you love. So I highly recommend um, that people do this, especially if you've got um, 
you know, a, a disease like Crohn's disease that's directly related to to your behaviors and to what you're eating and you're sleeping and how much you're and how much you're moving because it allows you to quickly see the patterns and to see the triggers and this provides you with the knowledge to say okay I am not going to eat this or maybe I need to prepare the food a certain type of you know a certain type of way or I need to make sure that I'm getting you know seven to eight hours of sleep every night or that I'm exercising every every day because we do know for example that people with, with Crohn's disease that that exercise that their symptoms are less and it leads to quicker recovery. So everything is related, you know, from your diet to your sleep, to your stress level. And do you have any tips for parents that are going to take on this journaling task? Do you have any tips or tools that made this easier for you uh, to do that with your son? For me, it was to, I found, and I created a journal that that was simple and easy to do. And every day it was the same, the same thing that I would repeat from what he was eating to um, information about his, his sleep to his, his medication um, and, and stress level. And, and also, you know, how much water he was, he was drinking and what he was drinking. And by creating this page and then repeating it every single day, that's when you begin to see the, that's when you begin to see the pattern. And it only takes a few minutes a day to do, but the, the, the effect, the positive effect on, on people's health is incredible. So we all have the power to, we all have the power to journal. And I highly recommend it, especially to, to track people's health behaviors, especially if somebody has a chronic you know, condition such as Crohn's disease to be able to track that. So what you want to do is have the pages, repeat them, and be consistent. And when I say consistent, try to create a consistent time during the day when you're going to do it. Maybe it's first thing in the morning, maybe it's, you know, in the evening, but, but have that and make it part of your day and part of your, your daily pattern. That's a good tip. I'm a big fan of the food journaling and I, I did it a lot more early on in my diagnosis. And there was one time I remember I had like notebooks full of just food and symptoms and what it, what was going on with me. And I took it to the doctor one time and I was like, well, you know, this is because they would ask questions like, you know, is it this or that? How do you feel? And I'm like, well, I have a whole notebook here. And, and my doctor at the time, he loved it, but uh, <laughs> it does. It's a simple, like you said, it's a simple way to start to connect the dots and to see some of those patterns from stress to food and activity. So I definitely support the journaling activities. Now, how long did it take, do you think, for your son to really start to feel better and as this process went on? And what was that like to wean him off of medication and really focus on just the natural, a holistic, good health yeah. way, to, way to go? It was really, really, we were lucky. It was really quick, quick um, that he began to, that he began to feel better. He was um, put on, um, you know, a, a steroid right away, which I think provided kind of that instant, you know, almost that instant relief. So it was really within a few days of him starting his medication that he began to have some symptom relief. And each day there would be good days and bad days, but you were seeing the progression. And we almost instantly changed his diet as well, which made a really, really big, um, uh, a big significant change in his, in his health. So Within a couple of weeks, he was doing so much better. He was back at school and he was still, he was still missing days, but it was a process, right? Because he was going from being so sick 
to um, to gradually beginning to 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 feel better over time. Um, and it took it took a while. He stayed on his, his medicine for well over a year, and then it was him actually um, beginning not to take it every day, and me not knowing because I was just trusting that he was taking his medicine. So finally, he was saying, you know, I'm really not taking this anymore. He's like, I don't feel that I need to take it. I feel good. I don't need this. I don't want to take it. Um, it doesn't make me feel good when I take the medicine. So it was really more coming from coming from him. And me accepting and saying, okay, I, I think you're right here. Um, you know your body. You're feeling really, really good. So let's let's stop this. And his his healthcare team did not agree. Did not agree with that. They wanted him to stay on, to stay on the medicine. So as a researcher, I began to research the research on on his medicine, and there are some very powerful reviews stating that the medicine that it was on was no more effective than placebo. So I went to his doctor saying, this medicine doesn't even, even work for his condition. And his healthcare team just wanted him to continue on the medicine, but he, he opted, he opted not to. And at this point, you know, he's now that 19 and now the adult, so he can begin to make more of his own, his own choices. And we allowed him, we allowed him to do that. But I do feel that the, the medicine played a role when he was first diagnosed to get him, to get him to that point of, of um, being like in, in recovery and in remission. And now if he continues most likely to, to follow his diet and watch his health behaviors, he should really be in good shape. Now, is he starting to take as he is 19 now, is he starting to take ownership of that process and, and what he's eating? What is that like to kind of hand over the reins, so to speak, and let him take ownership? Oh gosh, it's not easy. He's, <laughs> he's, you know, he is, um, he is a teenager. He's, uh, he's now a sophomore at, at university. So he's, he's not living at the house um, for like during the, during the academic school year. So that has been a challenge for, for us having him navigate how to eat on his, on his own. We, we had, um, you know, big, big kind of beliefs that he would do his own cooking and that, that has not panned out. So he has, you know, the meal plan, he does order some food himself and, and we'll keep it in his, keep it in his dorm room. We're looking forward to next year when he's going to be in an apartment. And this will may sound a little bit extravagant, but we will probably end up um, finding a chef that will come into his apartment once a week, cook a bunch of meals, and leave them in the fridge, and then he can just then he can just heat them up. Because to us, that's a, a lot less inexpensive than him becoming becoming sick again. So this way, we will have some control over what he's you know what he's eating. And it'll be really simple, really simple for him. So that's probably what we're going to we're going to end up um, doing. But, but it's it's not easy to to eat healthy on a on a college campus. And he will say sometimes like, "Mom, I'm just I, I go to the cafeteria and I'm just so sick of eating salads because you know he, he'll go there and there's really not many options, not many options for him." Yeah, it's very true, and that's it's exciting that you have a plan and that hopefully next year it's going to be much better and. <laughs> He can continue to have the good food. So what have you learned throughout this whole process as from your, you know, from the parent perspective, what kind of tips would you give to 
other parents who have children with IBD? I would say ask questions, be firm, be strong, and get a second opinion, get a third opinion, get a fourth opinion. If you, if something doesn't feel right as a parent, it's probably not right. And you need to continue to ask the questions until you get the, the answers that you, that you want. And it's really, really important to, to question, to question things and not just to blindly follow, you know, healthcare, healthcare advice, because health means many different things to, to different people. And it's a matter of figuring out what is what is healthy to you and what does that you know what does that mean for us in particular you know health meant like some some level of freedom from being a prisoner of the bathroom and you know having that freedom to be able to you know for our son to be able to go out on a Friday night and know that he could go out and not worry about having to be close to you know close to a bathroom so I think for for parents we we tend to blindly follow healthcare. And there's many ways to be to be healthy. And I think that is really, really important that we need to give people back the power of their of their health. And as 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 parents, you know, when you when you have, you know, multiple multiple kids, it's hard to keep that level of normalcy. And we, we struggled, we really did struggle, you know, struggle with that. And it was, you know, with our other two boys, it got to the point where they would say, well, if Tommy can eat it. They didn't want to eat it because it was, it was too, you know, it was too healthy. I thought this was a bit dramatic coming, you know, coming from them, but it, it really affects the, the dynamics of the dynamics of the whole, whole family. Um, there was many, many nights where I would lay, lay awake, you know, struggling, trying to figure out what, um, what to do. And for me, what almost calmed my anxiety was researching everything and reading as much as I possibly could on it and reaching out to people. Um, I would reach out to uh, different PhDs and medical doctors, and I would oftentimes get a response because of my background. And I would ask them questions about um, different types of medicine or different types of research studies or diets. And then I would pull it all together and begin to, um, you know, begin to make decisions. But it's a trial and an error, and there's no one direct path. There's good and bad, and there's good and bad days, and and really figuring out what works. Those are great tips. Tell me a little bit because you touched on it. What were some of the ways that you were able to balance the whole family dynamic and to get? Because um, I'm assuming you didn't cook, you know, three different meals, one for each of your different boys, and and you probably wanted to find something that was easy for you to manage the whole family and cook for the whole family. So what were some of those tips that allowed you to do that? Well, so, uh, so sometimes what would happen is I would find something that everybody would like, and then I would, I would make it like all the time. And then everybody would get, you know, get, get sick of it. So it really, it really was a struggle, um, to, to, to find stuff, but I always felt, you know, I, I could find a vegetable and prepare it a way that everybody liked. And, um, and so it was a lot of a lot of salads, a lot of meats, a lot of you know, barbecue, um, a lot of different types of, of soups. Uh, I mastered how to make you know the specific carbohydrate diet yogurt, and it was honestly finding. And there's some really wonderful companies out there now um, where you can get some really great products. Um, so I began to you know began to do that. 
began to do that also and reach out, you know, reach out to these companies and almost get, get an auto ship. You know, there's things like Thrive Market Pool, for example, there's a company called Wellbees, which makes specific carbohydrate diet food. So there's a lot of, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but there's a, more options out there now than even there were a few years ago, but it takes a lot of time to research these companies and to even define them. Yeah, you're very true. We live in a we live in a good time now to where we have some of those things available. Cause I remember in the early two thousands when I was first diagnosed with Crohn's and, and I'd kind of followed it, you know, a lot of the different diets or things. And there were so many things you had to make from scratch. And I was in my early twenties at the time, and I didn't want to do all that stuff much like your son is probably finding himself in <laughs> that. It's not so easy to cook and prepare everything uh, when you're young. And, and we do have a lot of resources now that we can just order things online and, and it's here. There's a lot of resources for healthy foods, um, prepackaged, you know, meals. So that is a nice right. thing. That- yeah. And what I did, cause I wanted to take the guesswork out for people. So in my book, in the back, I actually put a list in it of, um, companies that I have researched and vetted and, and tried. And so they're back in the, in the back of the book as an easy resource. I don't get any type of, you know, um, payback from these companies. I'm doing this because I want to help other people and kind of take the guesswork out, take the guesswork out for them to make it, to make it simpler because honestly, good health is hard and, and it shouldn't be. And this is what I have studied my whole career and I struggle with it. And if I struggle with it, I can only imagine how other people, how other people are. There is so much noise out there. It is so overwhelming to, to know what to eat and what to, you know, what to do that I really felt uh, empowered in this need to, to write my story, to potentially to help other people and to say, you know what, it's important to question and it's important to, to speak up. And especially when you're dealing with your own, with your own child, I think it creates a whole other level of, of complexity as a parent. It does. And I do want to mention that you have a whole bunch of recipes in the back of your book too. So that was, that was nice to see at the very end, a lot of recipes. And then you actually, you mentioned it a minute ago, the SCD yogurt that you make at home. And you actually found a way to, to make it easier so that you don't have to have a yogurt maker and you could make it easier for yourself. And so you put that recipe in there too, which, which was wonderful. So. Yes, that's a big part of the specific carbohydrate diet. And I still continue to make that yogurt to this to this day. But it was overwhelming when I first looked at how to go about to make this yogurt and it was going to take 24 hours. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have time to do this. And so it was, you know, pulling together multiple different recipes, say, okay, here's one that that really works. It's simple enough. And instead of taking, you know, hours and hours, really the hands-on time over the course of 24 hours is just literally a couple of couple of minutes. And I use this yogurt as, you know, as a sour cream and in so many different things, um, things now, it's almost a staple that we keep in our fridge. That's good. I haven't tried it yet, but I'm going to need to attempt the recipe and and make it. (laughs) So tell me, do you have any other tips for parents in actually talking with their child about IBD? Was it, you know, understanding the diagnosis or getting them to open up? Because it's not, a disease that everybody wants to talk about or, you know, tell their mom, like, here's how my stool looked in the bathroom today, mom. Like, what do you think? (laughs) So what kind of tips do you have for talking with 
kids and getting them to be part of that conversation? It, you know what, it's really, really difficult because it, it, it's dealing with, with number two, it's dealing with diarrhea and it's something that for whatever reason, we don't like to talk about it. And I feel that if we were more open about it, that people would not suffer for so long in silence and that it would be getting a lot more research attention and, and understanding and talking about it. So it, even with, with Tommy, and this might sound like absolutely ridiculous, but the, the first day that he actually had a solid bowel movement was like beyond exciting for my husband and I, to the point where my husband had to take a picture of it so <laughs> that we had it captured on film um, to be able to show his doctor. And of course, Tommy thought that we had absolutely lost our mind. But to us, it looked like, honestly, it looked like a masterpiece. Um, and it sounds ridiculous. But if we were more open about talking about this, I don't think he would have suffered for so long in silence. And that he would have been diagnosed a lot, a, a, a lot faster, but because he didn't want to tell us, nor does he want to talk to his friends about you know having to run to the run to the bathroom bathroom all the time he he suffered in silence for a long long time and in the fall before he was he was diagnosed what would happen is he started after dinner not to eat anymore because he wanted everything out of his system so that he would get up in the morning go to school he began to stop eating breakfast so that he could get through a period or two then I would get the call from him saying he wasn't feeling good because he was in the bathroom. He would come home for a couple of hours, try to pull it together and then get back to school. And he was suffering in silence and not talking about it. And I think that if we were just more open uh, about it, it, it would be a lot. It would be, um, people would get diagnosed a lot, a lot quicker. It's just no disease is, is glamorous, but this is probably one of the, uh, at the lowest end, you know, on the, <laughs> on the glamour continuum. And I think that in part is one of the reasons why people suffer for suffer for so long. And there's a lack of, of understanding um, about it because oftentimes you, you look at somebody who, who has, um, you know, IBD and you can't, you can't tell just by, by looking at them, but if they had a, a different disease that it might be recognized a little bit more and more, more understanding. Because I even felt from the, the school standpoint that there wasn't a lot, and I wasn't looking for sympathy, but there wasn't a lot of sympathy coming um, for, for Tommy, you know, from this. It was just really a lack of understanding, saying he's, he looks okay, so he must be, he must be okay. So he didn't get a lot of, um, you know, his grades significantly, significantly dropped because he was missing so much school. And I, and I even after the fact, went to the headmaster and said, you know what, I feel that if he would have had a concussion, your concussion protocol is more understanding than, the, than what, you, what, you gave to, what you gave to him because you still made him go and write Christmas exams when he had missed so much school. Whereas if he had a concussion, the concussion protocol is that it stops, the education stops so that it's put, it's put on hold and you don't have to do that. So there are things like, things like that, um, that I think are just so important to, to try to create the awareness and get the, and get the word out and make people understand that this is a, an extremely debilitating condition. I agree with you a hundred percent. And I think because it is, you know, quote unquote, embarrassing and people don't want to talk about it. I, I did the same thing for myself. I had blood with my bowel movements for years before I finally 
before things mm-hmm. got bad enough where it's like, now I have to go to a doctor. Like I can't ignore this yeah. anymore. But, but then we get so good at hiding, you know, we don't want to talk about it and we're trying to hide, oh, we're going to the bathroom 10 times a day, or, you know, we're so focused on hiding everything that people don't see the sickness, so to speak. So just like you're saying how your son, the people at the school, it's like, well, he looks fine, you know, and he's hiding so much and he's keeping it all in. And I think talking about it is so important because just like you said, that can save years of not being diagnosed and just make it happen faster. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So what else haven't we talked about today that you want to share? Is there any underlying message from your book that you want to talk about or something um, in your son's story that we didn't touch on? I think, you know, to give people the power, right. To say that you have, you do have control in a sense over your, over your health uh, and the things you have control over are what you're eating and how much you're sleeping and how much you're, you know, you're moving and, and during the day and trying to control your, you know, control your stress. And from the research that, that I did, it was really, really clear that uh, individuals with IBD who exercise are, uh, they're, they're going to recover quicker from it. And if they're sleeping properly, they're going to, they're going to recover quicker. And if they're following a certain, a certain diet. So these are things that people have control, you know, control over. So I think there's power, there's power in that for individuals to understand that um, if, if you exercise, it's going to play a positive role on your health in particular with, you know, with your chronic health condition. So um, I, I think to give people the power is so, is so important and to know that it affects the whole family. It affects the whole family. It's not just one individual. It's the whole family that becomes, you know, becomes affected, you know, affected by it. And if we were more open to talk about it, people wouldn't suffer in silence for for so long. And I think that there would be a lot more awareness um, of it and a lot more research funding put in towards it. Because there really are some wonderful doctors right now and researchers that are testing different, different diets with some pretty impressive results. Very well said. Now tell me, where can people find your book? My book is available on Amazon and they can go to Amazon and, and get it there. And it's my story inter, interweaved with, with the different, the science that, that I have reviewed. And as you said, at the end, I've put in several recipes that um, my family actually liked. And there's many that they they didn't that didn't that didn't make the book. But what I'm trying to do, I wanted to to write this. I felt compelled to, because I wanted to provide this to people because this is what I wish. This is the book I wish I would have had when Tommy was first diagnosed. To be able to read it, to read somebody else's story, to know that I was not alone that other people have, have gone, gone through this because there, there is comfort, right. In, in, in knowing that and to have a path to follow for, from the diet to the recipes, to how to go about and to how to go about in journal, to what types of, you know, companies, food companies are vetted and trusted that I could, that I could go to. So I was compelled to do that as a, as a researcher and an educator, I felt the need to do that, to be able to pro- provide that. And it's not just for, for parents 
um, of somebody with, with Crohn's disease, it's really could be any autoimmune disease or really any health condition or anybody that just wants to become healthier because we have the power, we have the power to do it. Yeah, you really did a great job of sharing that parent perspective of, you know, having your son go through this Crohn's diagnosis, but even reading it as, you know, someone myself who has Crohn's disease, I didn't feel like it was a a parents only book. I really felt like if I would have had this in the beginning, it would have been a great tool to have. And so I think you did a beautiful job of showing that whole journey and putting in all of the different information and the the research and showing, you know, what you went through and how, how it brought you onto this path was, was really well done. So if people want to follow you, are you on social media at all where they can follow you or Tommy's story or anything like that? I, they can go to my website, which is www.heatherhausenbloss.com. And I have uh, a weekly newsletter that, that I put out with information, whether it's, you know, uh, recipes or new research that has come out. And I kind of break it down to make it digestible for people because not a lot of people have the desire or the, the knowledge or the, the, even the ability to go and read um, research articles and I'll do that. I go and read it and then break it down. And what are the, what are the take home points from this? And what can we do with this, with, with this research to make us, to make us healthier. So I provide that to, to people because basically I want to take the guesswork out and I want to make good health a lot easier for people. That's wonderful. I'm going to have to go sign up. I didn't realize you were doing a weekly newsletter, so I'm going to sign up, but I will include the links to both your website and to the Amazon so that People will know exactly where to go get your book. And I'm sure you have it on your website too, a link there. But I'll put those into the show notes so that everyone who's listening to this will have immediate access to those. And as we get ready to wrap up, is there any last thoughts or words you want to share? You know, I want to say thank you to you for having this podcast and creating this, this forum for people because this, this is what needs to be done. We need to be having these conversations. We need to be talking openly about it and providing people with, with resources for where to go. So I want to thank you for everything that you do. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I really enjoyed visiting with you today and getting to meet the woman behind the book because I read the book. I learned quite a bit about your story and Tommy's story, definitely. So it was a pleasure to visit with you today and to have you on the show. So thank you. Thank you so much for everything you do. Thank you for listening to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have an IBD story, either as a patient or a family member, that you'd like to share as a guest on this podcast, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email at crohnsfitnessfood at gmail.com. And if you'd like to learn more about me and my Crohn's journey, follow me on Instagram using at crohnsfitnessfood or visit my blog, crohnsfitnessfood.com. And finally, remember, be strong, be grateful, and keep going, my fellow warriors.